0: guys, I'm so grateful to have you as a viewer today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. We are here to bring you the best personal development content that you can find out here. Here at The Swan Podcast, our main intention is to educate you, empower you, and evolve your life. So if you love all things personal development and transformation, then this is the place for you. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms at The Real Ashley Watkins, and at The Swam Podcast. Enjoy the show. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Swamp Podcast. And today, we have the perfect topic for the perfect guest, and we're going to be talking about succeeding while managing stress, which is a big, big thing that I know a lot of women that I know deal with. So we have Dr. Stacey Nakia Peebles on today. Her doctorate is in public policy analysis and administration, but she's a licensed psychotherapist and also a licensed clinical social worker. So hi, Dr. Stacey. How are you?
1: Hi, Ashley. Um, First, I wanted to thank you for extending the invitation. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you. We're really grateful for your
0: time. And we're going to go into this topic. But before we dig too deep into the topic, I always like to ask our guests, because because I think that mental health and these professions are for certain people. So I want to hear a little bit about what made you get your doctorate that you got, and what made you just get into the field of helping the public in general?
1: Okay. Well, so um, my background is social work and public policy. So um, both my bachelor's and master's are social work. And I went into social work really with a focus on social justice and inequality. And wanting to fight the disparities that we as the black community face in our major systems in America, the criminal justice system, healthcare, education, and um, in doing that, after being in the field for several years, then I went on for the Ph.D. in public policy, just because as a social worker, I feel kind of limited to the changes I can make because of the policies and the bureaucracies that we have in place. So I started out, you know, as a social worker doing community work and. Um, case management and, you know, kind of fighting for change. And I've been in the field a little bit over 20 years. I started out, I did some work in the criminal justice legal field for a few years, worked with HIV and AIDS. I've worked with substance abuse. So I've done a variety of different things. Um, What I do now is that I work in private practice and I specialize in working with women. And what I learned like through all my years of working and wanting to make the change, um, one of the ways that you can do that you know, on a one-to-one level is through therapy and through counseling. And for women, I really work with women on empowering them to embody self-love, to recognize that you are in control of your own destiny and to find that confidence To control your destiny and to live a life where you're happy and fulfilled, and of course, stress management comes into that.
0: Yes. So you have tons of experience. So, like for our listeners, I was telling Dr. Stacy before we started recording to not be humble because of the fact that you have so much experience. And that we need your knowledge. And I know you've talked to a lot of women and even you said criminal justice. And we're going to get into all of the different stressors that people may have, even when it comes to racial injustice. And I know for sure with working in the social work um, system, you saw and probably were a part of, you know, getting services and helping a lot of people. So, One of the things that I notice with women is that they tend to lack in that self-love area. But from your personal experience, what do you think is the reason that most women, just specifically women, are not able to have that amount of self-love to manage our stress very well?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a couple of things. In general, as women, we tend to be placed in a role of being caretakers, being nurturers. So when we do that, oftentimes we are putting our feelings like on the back burner, whoever we are taking care of or supporting becomes the priority and they're first. So when we do that, sometimes we kind of just let ourselves fall into the background and we don't necessarily stand up for what we want and what we need, you know, just generally speaking as women. I think, in addition to that, as black women, you know, we live in this culture and society where we are conditioned by necessity to be strong, to be the strong black woman. So we have this stereotype you know of always having to be strong, and we can handle anything. And so because of that, sometimes it can be hard to admit that you're stressed out. It can be hard to try and seek some support. And seek some assistance because you feel like you have to always be strong. And I see um, a lot of times like in relationships where we have like, I'm going to be the ride or die chick and I have to be this for him and I have to do this and that, that we kind of just fall into this pattern of doing something. We're not necessarily happy or fulfilled with it, but if we like think it's our responsibility because we have to be in that role of taking care of somebody else. And what I need in the moment is kind of not as important because I have to make sure that this person, these people, my children, whoever it is, they're being um, supported and loved and getting what they need. So do you
0: think that there's like, cause I'm just trying to process what you're saying. I definitely can relate, but I wonder if there's some sort of belief that there's a reward in that, you know, or that that's going to eventually lead to happiness or some sort of accolades. Is there some, some sort of belief that lies in that as to why people would choose that? Because if you think about it logically, you're like, that doesn't make sense. Why am I doing something for someone else? As, yeah. That I'm not being fulfilled in. So what is, what is the belief system that's going on underneath all of that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think in some sense, in terms of the community and the society, the reward is that you're being known as I'm standing by your man. You're, you know, you have that reputation. She's solid. She's loyal. And it's kind of just that badge of honor, so to speak. And it's because historically, when we look at racism and oppression, we know that the black man has been oppressed, and we have to, as women, but we've always been there as the caretaker role, and so that's what we continue to do. And the reward is really that we are loving him and supporting him and believing, you know, at least that is going to propel him or, you know, um, get him elevate him. to want to be higher and then we're going to reap the rewards of being the one that was by his side you know when he did that and we were a part of making that change and that evolution happen you know right like you'll get the credit there's a good woman right
0: Mm -hmm. that makes sense too yeah so i want i'm wondering for a lot of women, because we're talking about, we can call it like self-imposed stress, right? Because relationships and those type of things. But mm-hmm. even for Black women, how much of the stress is just not by our choice? Like it's part of our, our lifestyles or being born Black? Like what degree of that would you say professionally, is just comes with the, the territory or is it the environment? What part of that is actually just not even in our control?
1: yeah. I would say, I don't know if I could give a percentage, but I would definitely say a large part, because that's who we are and that's how we operate as Black women. So everything that affects us, it affects us as Black women. So everything that we deal with, say for instance, in the workplace, is already a struggle and as hard as a woman in a male dominated workplace. But then when you add to that, that you're a black woman, then there's even more stress that becomes involved with that. So it's like every stress that we deal with is kind of compounded or, you know, it's added to because of the fact that we are black and we have to deal with all of the racial trauma, the racial fatigue. And um, a lot of that goes over into the relationships as well, because we're watching our black men be brutalized, not be respected, and as women, we face the same things, but again, we are the nurturer we are the backbone, so it kind of falls on on us to a certain extent so
0: I was a single parent for my son is turning 14 tomorrow. That's why I'm smiling. <laughs> 14 years, you know, not the whole time, but a big portion of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that during those years, even though I have evolved mentally, a big common thought in my head was that I was doing everything by myself and I couldn't find my way out of that feeling of just constant stress so what advice do you have to the moms that don't really have that like it wasn't in my head I didn't have a babysitter or it's times I didn't have money or there's times I didn't have the actual means and resources to manage my stress or to get a break so mm-hmm. what advice do you have when clients come into your office and they really are in a real life stress situation? It's not, and it's affecting their psychology. It's not because they're choosing a relationship or something, it's just our, maybe a single mom or something like that. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, one of the first things that I would say do is to kind of really look into your repertoire of resources and what you have available. And what I mean by that is looking at, you know, who is in your tribe, it takes a village. And one of the things I know, again, is when we want to be so strong, we can sometimes overlook some of the resources that we do have. So you might have a sister, you might have a mother, you might have a friend that can just give you a break you know, at some point, it doesn't have to be all the time you're calling them. But when you get to the point where you're so stressed out, and you're so overwhelmed, you know, know what the resources are that you already have in place, that you can utilize, if you're not too proud to just kind of say, I need some help. And I need some assistance. So I think the first part of it is just kind of humble yourself, if that makes sense to a certain extent, and allow yourself to recognize you don't have to do everything, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's the first thing to kind of look for. And then in situations, and you might not have somebody in that moment, is that you just want to try and take a short amount of time, if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to be alone with yourself, um, maybe meditate. Do some mindfulness, speak some positive affirmations. So, you might just have to put your child or your children in the room, and you know, they might be doing that anyway. But while they're in there, just make sure you consciously take some time and you consciously take some moments to um, love yourself, to congratulate yourself for the hard work that you are doing, and um, you know, kind of get yourself back together, get your strength together so that you continue to move forward and be as strong. But it's really just about recognizing you deserve those moments to kind of relax and reflect on you.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned something that I was thinking about, which was pride, because I will say some of those years, it may have been, you know, that you don't want to look like you need help and how do we combat that emotion itself because there's so much guilt and shame which I know you deal with with working with people especially if the conditions aren't perfect or what we think they're supposed to be there's so much shame behind wanting some help or not being even not being able to pay a bill can send you into a downward spiral. So how do we begin to process those emotions so that we can say, you know what, I'm going to reach out and ask for some help.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, first of all, I think there's two main things. And um, one of the things is most of the time when we don't ask for help or we're hesitant to do that is because we are concerned how we will look to other people. We don't want to look like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm struggling and I'm this and I'm that. So the first thing that you really have to learn how to do is say, forget these people, you know, because it's not about them. It's about you and you have to do what's best for you and your situation. And when you get out of the thought process of worrying about what everybody else is going to think and how they're going to look at you, then you really can take care of your business and not concern yourself with that. So that's the first thing you have to not be governed by what you think other people are going to say or how they're going to feel about your situation. And then the other thing, it goes back to kind of recognizing that you deserve the assistance It's not that you are like begging or trying to live off somebody else you're doing the best that you can do. And sometimes you have to We nobody does it by themselves. Somewhere along the way, you're going to get assistance from somebody. And sometimes the assistance comes without you having to ask, you know, people kind of see your situation. They see you as a genuine person. They see what's going on. They might offer to assist you in that way you know whatever that might be they might know some resources for additional income they might be able to loan you some money or give you some money and they may do that without you asking but if you are in a situation where you have to ask then just know that that you deserve that and it is okay to not be okay sometimes and need that assistance and i mean that is The hard part, because we live in this world of people being measured by how much money you have and, Mm -hmm. you know, the material things that you have. And so we all aspire to be looked at as this successful person. But you really have to define what is success to you. And success is really about when you are handling your business and doing what you need to do. You might not have on the designer outfit while you do it but you are doing what you need to do and you know you're living your life in the way that suits you and you know the best you can at that time.
0: Yeah, and I think that what you just said brings me to my next question very easily because there's also a struggle. There's going to be somebody that's watching this that maybe money's not their issue. Maybe they're doing fine, but They are what I call ambition chasers. You know, they want to be productive. They want to work and go to school at the same time. They want to have two jobs. They want to pick up extra shifts. How is it that they manage their stress? Because there's not like they're choosing their stress. They're like, okay, I'm in nursing school while I work, or I have kids, and I, you know, and I need to work full time while I have kids. So, those mm-hmm. people, they are doing what they're supposed to do technically, but right. they, but they're stressed out while they do it. And I know in personal training, I would see it all the time where these people were so cost successful, but their health was terrible because right. they just couldn't manage their stress and make money and go to school or, and you have a doctorate, so I'm sure, you know what that balance looks like. So how do those people, you know, which, what is your advice for them?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing that I always like to tell people is um, there's two types of stress. So you have the good stress and then you have the bad stress. So the good stress is necessary. And that's the part of us that motivates us. It gets us moving. It gets our thought processes going and helps us maintain goals, make goals and reach for those. So we have to have the good stress. And when you hear about the fight and flight response, that's part of stress. So Mm -hmm. your body reacts, it keeps you out of trouble when those kind of situations come. So you need to have the good stress. Stress is not a bad thing necessarily. It becomes the bad stress when you are overwhelmed and you don't balance it, and then you start to have the negative side of things, and that's where you're going to not be able to focus. Your motivation is off. Your sleep and your appetite are affected. You know, you have headaches, and you have body aches, and things like that. So really what it is about is just about the stress management, and knowing what your limit is, and when enough is enough, And again, kind of knowing what's realistic in terms of what you're reaching for and why are you doing it? Is this because this is something important to you and you really Mm -hmm. wanna do it? Or are you concerned about how you're looking to the outside world and what people are perceiving um, from you? So that's kind of the main thing. Um, And along with stress management, Work-life balance is a form of stress management. And that's where you are balancing, you are productive in your work life. So whether you're a student, because I consider that work, you know, you're a student, you're an employee, you might be both. And then you have to manage that with the other parts of your life. So when you start seeing that all you're doing is thinking about work or you're so consumed and you're so tired with work, then start looking at, well, what else do I have going on in my life? And what am I doing to nurture those other parts of myself? And um, another thing that I always tell people, especially when it's like a work stress situation, you can literally work yourself to death. Like you can work so hard that physically you have health problems and you will die. And when you die, they will be sad, oh, poor her. <laughs> but then a week or so later, that job description is going out there and somebody else is gonna be getting that job. So you just have to be realistic and you have to put yourself first and you know, make yourself and your health, which includes your mental health and your emotional health, a priority.
0: Yeah, and I think people get really caught into, I'm so happy that you keep bringing it back to the point of really knowing what you want for yourself and not, like they say, other people's opinions is none of my business. And I think we get hung up on false responsibilities, things that we think are super important based on somebody else. But it's really, it has nothing to do with what we really want out of life. So I just wanted to like repeat that point because the fact that you even said that it goes back to, you know, when I meet women and they go, well, how do I do this? And I'm like, well, go back to what you want for your life. And I don't know, you tell me, do you think that people that you see when they come to you, do you think that they have a clear vision for their life? Because I don't know if I run into that many people that do.
1: Yeah, I would say, I don't want to say most people don't because I think that would be kind of overstepping, but I do think we are kind of conditioned in our society. Mm -hmm. So, and they used to call it the American dream. I don't know what they call it now, but you know, you are kind of conditioned that you're going to go, you graduate high school, you go to college. And then you do all of this stuff in your career um, to get the promotion, to get the office with the window, whatever it is that you do. And sometimes people kind of just go through the motions and it's not really even about what they want to do. And I've seen people spend years, you know, um, becoming physicians, becoming lawyers. And when you really sit and talk to them, it wasn't really necessarily what they wanted to do. It was kind of just this path they got on and oh, you know, a doctor is a successful thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they really would have enjoyed, you know, being an interior designer or doing whatever it is. That was something that's not seen as big time successful, but it can be Mm -hmm. depending on how you nurture it and how you build on your passion. So what I always say to people, First of all, it's never too late. People kind of think, well, once I've done this for so many years, I have to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And what always comes up in the conversation is, what are people going to to think about me? You know, because I've done all of this, I'm successful. So if I stop doing this and then go back and do something else, people are going to be like, well, you know, what's wrong with her? What is she doing? But I think. A lot of times it's really just people go through the motions. And when you ask them, well, what do you really enjoy? What do you really love? Sometimes they have a hard time coming up with that answer. So when I'm um, in therapy with somebody, I will usually give that to them. as like a homework assignment. And when you come back next week, I want you to be able to tell me at least one. I try to get them to do three things that you love you know, that interests you and kind of see where it goes from there. But yeah, it is, you know, not surprising, but a lot of times people kind of just go with the flow. Their parents told them they were supposed to go to college. And so that's what they do. Or they um, live in an environment where people don't go to college. And so then they do whatever it is, they see everybody else doing and they fall into whatever that may be, if it's criminal activity or whatever, and it's not necessarily that they sat there and thought about, ooh, this is what I'm going to do, but it's kind of just they're going with the flow and the environment and what's around them and what they see.
0: Yes, and guys, okay. listen to her because everything she's saying is so on point <laughs> because I went through that same struggle with my personal training business for because I, I didn't want to do it anymore. But exactly what you're saying, I thought that people would think that my business failed if I just stopped doing it or that I went out of business. Or, you know, how people say, oh, you and then every time I would tell someone I, I didn't want to do it anymore, they go, why? They would automatically think that something was wrong. And I was like, listen, I it's not fulfilling I know it's not fulfilling and I don't want to do it. So please listen to what she's saying, guys, because it sounds like when you talk about it, it sounds like great advice. But then we don't see how that plays out into our life because we're just unaware that we're just going through the motions, like you said. And and it was a fine job. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it was it was not for me. I wasn't happy and I just was not being real with myself. And I just really thought about people are going to think that I must have bombed at this. The fact that I'm not doing it anymore, which was completely not true. Right. So that was some really good points, but I wanted to move on a little bit to current events because mm-hmm. the, the week that George Floyd was mm-hmm. murdered, I was toe up. And I think I pretty, I think I have a pretty good self-care regimen. I go to therapy, I meditate, I teach yoga. I, I felt like I was the, I was well-equipped. Which Mm -hmm. some things you will never be prepared for. And I didn't even watch the video and my world was rocked. My children were feeling some type of way. They had emotions that they were going through. So Mm -hmm. bringing it back to the racial trauma and what we carry as black women. I mean, I I lost friendships over this. I mean, it really became a stressor now it could have been negative if I let it you know get me down but what do we do how do we manage the stress of what's going on because there has to be a balance between I want to do something helpful I want to share stuff I want to be on social media but also I want to protect myself because this is really literally wiping me out
1: right 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 okay yeah and definitely um you know that has been huge on everybody's mind definitely came up who do the last few weeks or so in counseling, you know, with my clients. And I don't just have black clients. You know, I have um, a diverse group of clients. So it kind of came up in most sessions and it was on people's minds. But what I say, first of all, as black people, the one thing, this is not new to us. Okay. So this is something that has happened time and time and time again. You know, and I'm in St. Louis. We had the Mike Brown situation back in 2014. And you kind of see the same thing happening over and over. There's a response. Mainstream America says they're going to do something, they say they're going to change. That remains to be seen at this point. But I think the first thing in terms of self care for us as Black women is really kind of being able to process our feelings. Among our own. You know, I'm talking, you know, with your family. If you have children, you know, husbands, fathers, you know, because we're seeing this happen to um, our Black men. You want to be present in the moment. You want to love on them, you know, the best you can. And also to your fellow Black women, you know, because sisters, mothers, we are all feeling the same thing. So that's the first thing. Don't try to bottle it up and think that you don't need to speak on it or express it. So recognize it is there. It is real. Society always wants to make us think, well, you need to forget about slavery. You need to forget about this. And we need to not let them put us in that mindset that we think we need to forget about it and that we don't need to speak on it. So first of all, Just speaking on it in your personal life and the people that you love, talking to them about how you feel. And then again, you kind of have to put the self-care in the place. You don't want to get in situations where you are kind of going back and forth with people. And most times it's going to be somebody that's not black, but I have seen situations where it might be somebody that is black. And for whatever reason, they have a different mindset in their reality of how they were brought up or what they've experienced in their life. And they might have a certain viewpoint, but you kind of don't want to get into this back and forth of trying to make people believe what you want them to believe. You speak on how you feel, you know, and that that's it. And you might have a couple of exchanges, but don't allow yourself to be pulled into these situations. Because I see that a lot, um, especially with um, non-Black people. And Mm -hmm. I see it a lot on social media. And these people are kind of your friends, but they're not really your friends. And so people get into these heated debates and exchanges. And it's funny because some of the people on my friends list, every time there's an issue I see them get into it with these people and I'm like, why didn't you delete these people like Mm -hmm. last time? So kind of you have to maintain your peace, um, say what you need to say, do what you need to do, but then kind of move on and um, continue to be productive in the rest of your life. So if what you need to do is protesting, then do that in whatever way you can. You know, if you wanna post on social media, then do that, but be prepared to do it and kind of just leave it. You know, this is my opinion. I don't have to go back and forth with you about it. If you want to donate money, you know, donate time, whatever it is that you feel like you need to do, make sure that you are doing that so you can feel right with yourself. Like I am um, doing my part in this. And then I definitely would say, you know, if you need to, seek professional help yes, talking sure. to a counselor because um, a lot of times there are things you can say to your counselor that you can't say to other people and i think especially in the workplace a lot of times when you are a minority in the workplace and you're hearing all these different conversations me i've always been a person that's spoke my mind and it maybe didn't serve me well in popularity with some of my coworkers and jobs, but I always felt right within myself because I knew I was speaking up and doing what I needed to do. But sometimes people feel that they can't do that. So to have a safe place that you can do that is um, definitely a part of the self-care process. You like took my all my questions because <laughs> I was going to ask
0: you, what are you do in the workplace? But you answered that. So we're, that lets me know that you know what you're talking about. You're right in alignment. But I do want to switch real quick to non-Black people because, Dr. Stacy, when I tell you, I felt like all my white friends was coming at me at one time. I'm like, it's either the ones that feel hella guilty Mm -hmm. about their darkness that they've been in for however many years and they need to educate themselves. And I'm their black friend that they did never saw color. And they just are, are now they're just mind blown and feeling guilty. Or it was my friends that are not like that. I have, I have friends that are white that, that wish they were black where they Mm -hmm. were just like, Oh my God, do you need anything? We can't, Mm -hmm. they had so much compassion. So there were so many different emotions coming from my non-black friends. Some of them guilt and remorse and this, and some of them, some of them emotional, some of them not. So white people especially are having a hard time processing Mm -hmm. their stress and their emotions right now, which is very ironic to me because I feel like, you know what? this ain't your moment right right (laughs) there's a huge tragedy going on right now because I speak my mind too and I'm like this isn't your time to heal even though it might it might be you know so I have my my feelings towards that where I'm just like but we're all feeling like how do we process this so what is your advice for white people or non-black people that just don't even know how to feel right now
1: yeah yeah well that definitely is an issue. And I mean on the one hand, part of me is kind of like, well how did you not know this? Cuz they act like this is real new to them and all of a sudden, oh my god. And yeah, but so it's like, how did you not know this anyway? But, you know, um in expressing that again, um They may have a need to express that to you. So um, let's just kind of say, if they're not your friend or a close person to you, you kind of just handle it. You know, like I said, you don't have to kind of go back and forth and engage. But if this is a person and you're close to them and you truly feel like this is coming from a good place and from a true place, what I would do is to let them know, you know, I appreciate what you're saying you know i understand how you feel but make it clear to them that you are not their like black person educator right now Mm -hmm. you are not about to try to give them a history lesson on um being black because you're in your own process right now of dealing with it you don't have time to try to appease their guilt and how they're feeling. So I would just let them know that you appreciate it, you understand it, you recognize, and kind of encourage them to do their part as an ally. What we don't really need is a whole lot of, like, sympathy that they're putting towards us, and it needs to be more of action with their Mm -hmm. other white friends or their white family members that they can kind of call to action to do something about it and not just necessarily talk about how they're feeling guilty. Um, If they're really wanting to educate themselves, you can always kind of direct them to go to um, the the web, do a search, get some books. There are a lot of books out there uh, for white people in terms of kind of dealing with their thought process and um, how they feel and kind of, I guess, they're process of wanting to understand uh, what we go through as best as they can. So there, there are a lot of books out there. There are a lot of resources that they can read, but I'm kind of just letting them know, you know, you're their friend. You're not the black person that's kind of gonna educate them on what they need to do and um, how they need to do it at this point, but you appreciate, you know, their concern and how they feel.
0: Agree. I am like, I had, I put an Instagram video on my page called what we not going to do. <laughs> and what we're not going to do is reeducate or put a lot of energy into that. But I do feel what you're saying as far as showing the compassion and understanding and listening. And that is a healthy way to process that. So I'm going to move to the segment of the show where I just ask you to share us any resources that people may have. I know you're in Missouri, but for someone that is really struggling with their stress, is there something that they can do, you know, when they've given us, listening to this episode, something that they can do some resources or where they can go to get tools or do you have any tools or, Mm -hmm. you know, just whatever you suggest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I don't really have any specific tools. I'm more of a person cuz I think people kind of need to find what works best for them. Mm-hmm. So I think going to the internet is always a really good way to find resources and um what you're looking for and kind of just looking up on stress management things of that nature. And some of the big ones and, you know that we kind of focus on are the, the meditation, mm-hmm. the mindfulness. Um, there's different types of meditation. So um, you can kind of look those up. There's imagery meditation where you are kind of choosing an image, a picture, it might be like a beach, some place you've been before, that's a relaxing place. and then you kind of focus on that as part of your meditation. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the mindfulness breathing where you are taking in slow, deep breaths. And what I usually tell people is to count backwards from five. And so you're going to inhale and you're counting, you know, from five and then you're going to exhale it, you know, doing the same thing. And what you are doing is kind of concentrating on your breath, being centered in that moment and kind of giving your, your mind some clarity and some peace. And what I tell a lot of people, to is to draw on your spirituality and whatever you have in place already. You know, some people, they're um, religious and they go to church, they pray. You know, those are things that we still need to incorporate um, for people who are not necessarily, you know, going to church and different things, you know, their spirituality, um, you know, oneness, kind of looking at yourself and how you view the world and figuring out how you want to kind of manage and walk through life, you know, in in a spiritual way. And a lot of times that might include journaling, um, writing things down, things of that nature. So I think kind of just focusing on some of those stress management tools and you can pretty much kind of find guides for those online. If you like to read, I mean, some people like to read. I think people are kind of getting away from that as much, but you know, you can go to Amazon and I don't have any specific titles that I can think of right now but you can just put in stress management and things like that and find books that will kind of help you with that.
0: And YouTube is a good source too. So guys, check something out. So how do our listeners get in contact with you? How do they find you if they would like to maybe book a consultation or if they're feeling like they can't manage their stress on their own? How do we find you? Okay. Um. Well,
1: first of all, I have a blog. So you can go to my blog, which is also my website. So that's beingdrstacy.com. So um, in my blog, I do a lot about self-love, self-empowerment, and really kind of just in highlighting the things that I do in my life to live a happy, fulfilled life. A lot of those things right now are kind of on hold because of things. We can't travel. We can't do a lot of things but you know kind of incorporating those things so you can read about that on my blog my blog is my website as well so you can book consultations there my phone number is there I do free um, telephone consults so as a therapist, I am licensed in Missouri. I can see anybody in Missouri. My practice is 100% telehealth. So I do video counseling. I also do phone sessions. So if you're anywhere in the state of Missouri, you can contact me. I also work as a coach, an empowerment coach, working with women. And I'm um, basically in the coaching, we are not focused on a mental health concern, but it's really helping women to focus on goals, set a plan of action for those goals and kind of achieving that and having an accountability partner in doing that. So um, I'm available for coaching worldwide, actually. So I um, mean, I've worked with international clients as well. Go to my website. I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube and it's all at being Dr. Space' And, um, yeah. One other thing. So I, I do have a book coming out soon. I am a co-author in a book and it's an anthology. So it's a group of therapists together. The book is called the heart of a therapist. Um, and it's where we talk about our um, journeys into the mental health field and the work that we do. So that book is coming out soon. We are taking pre-orders for that. Um, that is on my website as well. And so, just go to beingdrstacey.com and um you'll find all the information. My phone number, email, all of that is on my contact page on my website.
0: Yes, I love that. And all of our guests, except I think a couple have been therapists or psychotherapists. So there are some people listening that are definitely going to need that book because therapists need, <laughs> need yeah. other therapists to communicate right. too. I always think about that. I'm like, I know my therapist got a therapist. so i just want to thank you again we're super super grateful to have you you gave us some awesome awesome tips and i would love to bring you back on for another episode about something totally different because i know you have a wealth of knowledge Mm -hmm. and thank you again for your time i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank
1: you so much for having me thanks ashley